Our lives have changed dramatically over the last couple of weeks. I never envisaged a moment where I'd be standing in an empty room to a camera preaching. Like this isn't what I had in mind when I entered ministry. The levels of awkwardness I feel right now, they're really, really high. I had some gags prepared for this talk. It just felt super weird. I experimented with canned laughter. Let me give you an example. You can probably feel the same awkwardness I feel. And yet, this is the moment we find ourselves in. And I want to share a few reflections from the Apostle Peter as to how we can navigate a moment like this. I read a fascinating article this last week about how nations, people groups, communities respond to a shared trauma or crisis. Sociologists say there's three main waves of response. The first response is the heroic. And in this heroic phase, we see some of the very best of human nature. We saw it this last week um, when we applauded the NHS, people leaning out of their windows, standing in their doorways, like shouting and clapping and celebrating those that are on the front line, risking their well-being to serve the most vulnerable in our society. We've seen it in the multiple small acts of compassion at an individual level, at a community-wide level. We see some of the best of humanity in moments of crisis and at the same time underneath some of the heroic drive is a struggle to acknowledge that a trauma has taken place we want to return to life as it used to be the problem is life isn't as it used to be so some of the heroic drive is is a struggle to acknowledge that we're not in control we used to feel in control we knew what each day would feel like and suddenly we don't know what tomorrow has in store for us and that creates anxiety so the natural response is to start fighting to be a hero in this season. The Apostle Peter experienced something like this. Jesus told Peter and the disciples that he was going to die, that he was going to rise again. But as those events drew nearer, Peter began to struggle. So you have this moment in the gospel narratives where they're in the Garden of Gethsemane and the high priest and some servants come to capture Jesus. And Peter can't help himself. He draws his sword and he gets ready to fight. So listen to this account. This is John chapter 18, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So helpful to know those details, right? Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? So Peter grabs the sword, begins fighting. Jesus says, no, 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 we're not going to fight like the world fights. Put your sword away. This is a moment to surrender to the will of the Father. And I wonder if we need to hear that right now. So much of the heroic response is beautiful. This activist drive. We need to serve our neighbours. We need to serve the most vulnerable in society. All of that's brilliant and it's beautiful. And at the same time, we need to hear and encounter Jesus in this moment. We don't need to be a saviour because we have a saviour and his arm is not too short to save. 
I love this prayer from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The context for this prayer is King Jehoshaphat and the nation of Israel acknowledge that three vast armies, not one, three vast armies are coming against them. And these vast armies are essentially going to overpower Jerusalem. So King Jehoshaphat gathers the nation to Jerusalem. He gives a speech and you'd expect this speech to be one of those rousing speeches that puts courage in the hearts of the people as they go to war. But listen to the speech. The king says, but now here are men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir. These are the nations, the armies coming against them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? Are you not going to step in? The king says, for we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not know what to do. This is the king with the nation gathered, hanging on his every word. And he says, we have no power to face these vast armies. We don't know what to do. Awkward moment. This is like Boris Johnson at a press conference basically saying, we have no power to face this COVID-19 crisis. None of us have a clue what to do. It's like, that's crazy, right? But listen to the following six words in the speech that change everything. It says, we have no power to face the army. We do not, what to do, do not know what to do, but here's the six words. But our eyes are on you. This is the king saying, don't look at me to be your liberator, to rescue you, to save you. I, I don't have the power to do that. We need to turn our gaze heavenwards. We need to put our eyes on God because his arm is not too short to save. I wonder if that's what we need to hear right now. This is a moment to turn our gaze heavenwards. We don't need to be the heroes. We don't need to be the saviour. We have a saviour. His name is Jesus and his arm is not too short to save. So the first wave is the heroic. The second wave is disillusionment. This is the moment where you acknowledge you can't save and you feel powerless. So fast forward the moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where Peter pulls the sword and starts fighting. If you carry on the story in the gospel narratives, you'll find Peter in a heap weeping. Jesus told Peter that Peter would deny him, betray him three times. Peter said, no, I'd never do that. No, no, no. I'm going to be committed, loyal, faithful to the very end. And yet as the story unfolds, Peter does deny Jesus once and then twice and then a third time. This is what happens. This is Luke chapter 22, verse 60. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. This is the third moment of denial. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Just imagine that moment where you can see Jesus, the one that you've betrayed, watching you betray him. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Like first response, I'm going to be the hero. Second response, I feel powerless. I don't have what it takes. I feel weak. I feel vulnerable. And he starts weeping. I don't know if you felt like that at all this week. I, I had a mini meltdown a couple of days ago. I'd been in some fairly pressurised conversations in a meeting, Zoom conference call obviously, talking about how we restructure KXC and how we position ourselves to serve what God's doing in this moment, how we look after staff. So all of that stuff going on. We're also trying to homeschool our kids. B is doing the most unbelievable job, but that comes with a level of stress. Add to that cabin fever. It's a perfect storm. So I came out of one of the 
Zoom conference calls, fairly stressed. One of the kids was kicking off. I shouted at one of the kids. Yeah, I do that every so often. Um, the kid actually pushed back at me, said something to me, and I just started crying. One of my kids made me cry. How embarrassing. I won't name which kid it was. I actually ran upstairs to my bedroom, jumped on the bed and just started sobbing. And essentially what was going on, I was basically saying to God, I feel powerless. I'm out of my depth. I don't know what to do. And as all of that emotion came out, I began to experience a little bit of the peace of God that passes understanding. Like, I wonder if that's the healthiest response I've had to the crisis we find ourselves in. My first response, like the Apostle Peter, grab the sword, I'm going to fight, we're going to rescue Kex in restructure, and I'm going to be the saviour to the family, and, and dot, dot, dot. And then I find myself on my bed weeping, feeling totally out of my depth. Like, maybe this is a moment for us as a church, but also individually to weep with those that weep, to acknowledge that we feel lost. We're experiencing grief. We miss our friends. I'll do anything just to hug one of my friends, to have a conversation, not just virtually, but in their presence. I'm frightened about some of my loved ones that are in the more vulnerable categories. There's so much going on. It's probably one of the first times I just acknowledged this storm of emotion within and it began to come out. It began to find its voice and as I directed that to Jesus I began to experience peace. For so many of us the first response let's grab the sword but what if we actually stopped allowed all the stuff to come out bring it into the presence of God and find his peace. Like that's the moment where we begin to join with God in what he's doing, which leads to the third wave of response in a trauma. It goes from the heroic to disillusionment and powerlessness to the hopeful rebuilding. So fast forward the story, Peter grabs the sword, then he's in a heap weeping. And in John chapter 20, um, something unbelievable takes place. Let's read it. This is one of the resurrection appearances. In fact, the first resurrection appearance to the disciples. John chapter 20 verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. This is incredible, right? So the disciples, they're self-isolating. They're socially distancing themselves from the Jewish community and probably their wider family and friends. They're in a locked room. They know that the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities, they've crucified Jesus. The next step is probably find the next wave or tier of leadership and let's sort them out too. So they're locked in a room, terrified, and then Jesus enters the room. This is amazing. In other words, Jesus isn't standing from a distance. Our God isn't a distant deity. He enters into the room. He enters into the struggle, to the anxiety, to this moment of crisis. And what does he say? He says, peace be with you. I need to hear that. I'm guessing you need to hear that. That God is in the room with you when you're self-isolating, socially distancing yourself from your friends and loved ones. God is with you in the room and he wants to bring you peace. Peace be with you. So after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. He repeats it because they really need to understand this peace. They need to experience this peace that passes understanding. 
He goes on, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. A closer translation of the Greek would be, he breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the same spirit that animated and energized the life and ministry of Jesus. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the grave is now being breathed into the followers of Jesus. Yes, so that they might know peace, but more than that, that they might be empowered to be part of the unfolding story of the kingdom of God. The giving of the Spirit changes everything. So fast forward the clock, you get to Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost, the Spirit of God is poured out, Peter addresses the crowd, he boldly proclaims the message of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, and 3,000 people come to faith that day. Like, what's changed? This is the same Peter that was like, I want to be the hero, grabbing the sword. The same Peter that screwed up, denied Jesus, wept bitterly. What's changed? And the answer is, he's acknowledged his weakness, his vulnerability. He's recognised he can't be the saviour, but he has a saviour whose name is Jesus. And Jesus has breathed resurrection life into his being, enabling, empowering Peter to do all the stuff that God had called him to do. I wonder if we need to hear this, that we don't need to fight to rescue our families and society around us. We actually need to turn our gaze heavenwards, but our eyes are on you and receive the power of the spirit that Jesus offers us. If you've been journeying with us through the New Testament at KXC and St. Saviour's in our readings through bread, you'll have been reading Luke's Gospel this last week. You'll have come across the teaching of Jesus when he says you don't pour new wine into old wineskins because the wineskins will break. You pour new wine into new wineskins. And I wonder if this is a message to us and maybe an insight to what the Spirit's doing at this time that, that we're awaiting a new wine that's going to be poured that's what I believe that's what I'm praying for but what we're also experiencing is the old wineskins being dismantled they're beginning to break now our instinctive response like Peter is to start fighting we can rescue these wineskins it's just a small tear it's a small crack but I wonder if a healthy response is to grieve to mourn to embrace the loss of these wineskins. Some of us love these old structures, but they've been dismantled in this crisis. We're all busy establishing new structures. I'm guessing you're doing it in your workplace, at home, you're developing new rhythms. We're doing it at KXC, restructuring for this moment that we find ourselves in. But before we fill these new structures with just rubbish and more activity, why don't we say, God, these wineskins are empty and there's a vulnerability to that, but would you pour your new wine in? Would you pour your spirit in. We don't need just more activity. We need more activity of the kingdom of God, more of your presence at work within us. So I, I want to land there by just creating some space for us to say, God, would you come and fill these empty vessels with your presence? So if you're sat down on your couch or on your bed, can I just encourage you to stand? And we're going to hold out our hands in a posture of receiving because outward postures help us engage in inner reality. So you're going to be stood in your bedroom potentially, close your eyes, hold your hands out. You're going to feel like a total moron, but that feeling will pass. And we're going to ask that the Spirit of God would be poured out. Holy Spirit, would you come? Pour out new wine into these new wineskins that are being established right now. Holy Spirit, come. 
we repent where we've tried to be the saviour and rescue everyone around us. We choose to acknowledge the vulnerability and the anxiety and the fragility of this moment. We weep with those that weep. We acknowledge our own loss. And in that place of vulnerability, we ask that you would breathe resurrection life upon us. Bring us your peace and empower us to be part of the hopeful rebuilding of life all around us. Spirit, would you